Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. As important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner. Gene! Gene Fodor! Gene was wounded. But be careful, because the worst trips result when two partners have two different agendas. The CIA really need your help, Gene. Freeze, Americano! Huh? Oh. Gene, run! Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, this is Kurt Woodsmith. You remember me from such TV comedies as That 70s Show and That 90s Show on Netflix. I'll never forget the words that my grandfather said just before he kicked the bucket. He said, watch how far I can kick this bucket. People ask me where I get my dad jokes from. I tell them to listen to the Daily Dad Jokes podcast. Listen to Daily Dad Jokes every day on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to How Stuff Works Now. I'm your host, Lauren Vogelbaum, a researcher and writer here at How Stuff Works. Every week, I'm bringing you three stories from our team about the weird and wondrous developments we've seen in science, technology, and culture. This week, we've got a couple stories about what our tech can do for us. A free chatbot service has reportedly gotten 160,000 people out of unfair parking tickets. And, unrelated, a man has married his smartphone. But first, senior writer and Stuff to Blow Your Mind co-host Robert Lamb brings us the story of exactly how hard moving is on children. A comprehensive Danish study has drawn correlations between moving during adolescence and increased risk of psychiatric illness, suicide, and a natural death later on. We're not talking about a self-reporting internet survey here or a 40-person college campus study. Since Denmark keeps careful track of all residential changes, researchers from Aarhus University and the UK's University of Manchester were able to crunch data on everyone born in Denmark from 1971 to 1997. We're talking 1.4 million people, each tracked from birth to their 15th birthday. 37% of the individuals studied here moved across a municipal boundary at least once before the age of 15. In 2013, the researchers followed up with the people involved here to see how these moves wound up influencing their susceptibility to attempted suicide, criminal violence, psychiatric illness, substance misuse, and natural and unnatural death. The study found that individuals who moved frequently during early adolescence were at the highest risk for all of these adverse outcomes. The more moves, the greater the risk, with multiple moves within a single year linked to sharp increases in violence, attempted suicide, substance misuse, and unnatural death. The authors point out that parental age, urbanization, hereditary mental illness, and socioeconomic status partially explain some of the elevated risks. And yet, socioeconomic standing alone did not prove as prevalent an indicator as initially expected. The overall increase in risk applied to all levels of the socioeconomic spectrum. 
Perhaps you can relate to this. When you're a child, moving is kind of a mini-apocalypse in which the seemingly fixed pillars of your environment fall away, and that peer group that you're hardwired to infiltrate just vanishes into the mist. Adjusting to new places and new faces can be an uphill battle. But are moves intrinsically harmful to a child? That's the big lingering question in the wake of this study, which was published in the American Journal of Preventative Medicine. As always, more research is required, but regardless of the answer, the researchers drive home one important lesson here. Parents and educational or health professionals who underestimate the psychological needs of relocated adolescents do so at great risk to the child's well-being. Next up, senior writer and forward-thinking co-host Jonathan Strickland explains how a 19-year-old programmer has created chatbot software that can do real practical good. It's currently bent to helping people resolve parking tickets, but he's got big plans. Chatbots are usually annoying. Maybe it's trying to fool you into visiting a site that will dump malware on your computer. Or some company is relying upon a chatbot to take the place of a human customer service representative. But what if a chatbot could help you overturn an unfair parking ticket? That's what Joshua Browder's chatbot can do. Browder attends Stanford University and has a history with parking tickets, having racked up about 30 of them when he was 18 and living in London. Browder's service is called Do Not Pay, and it's surprisingly effective. The service only covers London and New York City, but people have already used it in 250,000 parking ticket cases. In 160,000 of those cases, courts overturned the ticket, according to Browder. That's a success rate of 64%. Browder says the savings to users amounts to $4 million. The chatbot isn't a get-out-of-jail-free card, though. Browder wanted to prevent local governments from treating parking tickets as a revenue source. He didn't intend it to be a tool to help the guilty go free. If you want to use it to contest a ticket, you first must answer a series of questions to see if you're eligible. With the New York version, the first question is, which of these best describes why you shouldn't receive a parking ticket? Answers range from, I entered the incorrect date on a permit, to, the vehicle has diplomatic immunity. Depending upon your answer, you'll see new questions to narrow down the approach. Do Not Pay will generate the appropriate paperwork on your behalf. The service also provides suggestions to contest certain types of tickets. For example, if you claim the signage was absent, obstructed, or confusing, Do Not Pay suggests you include pictures to support your case. What Browder's work illustrates is that contesting a parking ticket, while frustrating and time-consuming, is relatively straightforward if you know what you're doing. And unlike a lawyer, Do Not Pay helps people for free. Browder plans to expand Do Not Pay to other cities. The service can also help you pursue a refund for delayed flights. And Browder wants to create other automated systems to help more people, including one that would allow Syrian refugees to apply for asylum in other nations. Finally today, senior writer and Stuff Mom Never Told You co-host Kristen Conger explores the perhaps odd-sounding world of people who make artistic gestures and romantic gestures towards the objects in our lives. Aaron Shervenek is truly living the dream of Joaquin Phoenix's character in the futuristic romantic dramedy Her. 
On May 20th, Shervinik married his smartphone at the Little Las Vegas Chapel. While Shervinik didn't disclose his phone's brand or operating system, he assigned it a female gender, taking her as his battery-operated bride. Speaking to Kaspersky Lab, which produced a video profiling the happy couple, Shervinik explained, "Quote." If we're going to be honest with ourselves, we connect with our phones on so many emotional levels. We look to it for solace, to calm us down, to put us to sleep, to ease our minds, and to me, that's also what a relationship is about. I mean, why risk inevitable rejection on Tinder when your smartphone can keep you company unconditionally? The state of Nevada won't legally recognize the union, but Shervinik says it's a quote symbolic gesture to show us how precious our phones are becoming in our daily lives. For some folks, though, publicly committing to an inanimate object is a genuine expression of love and even attraction. In the early 1970s, a Swedish woman named Ea Rita Eklof Berliner Mauer coined the term "objectum sexuality" to describe her attraction to non-living things. Then, in 1979, she married the Berlin Wall. Thanks to the internet, Ms. Berliner Mauer found others who shared her peculiar passion. One of those folks was Erica Labrie, who legally renamed herself Erica Eiffel after marrying the Eiffel Tower in 2007. Also, the founder of the online support group Objectum Sexuality International, Ms. Eiffel became the most publicly visible member of the objectophile community after being the subject of the 2012 documentary "Married to the Eiffel Tower." But the Eiffel Tower hasn't been the only structure to catch objectophilic Erica's eye. Prior to her 2007 commitment ceremony, she had forged relationships with a fighter jet, a fence, and her archery bow. As of 2015, Ms. Eiffel had reluctantly moved on from her towering Parisian paramour after the documentary she was featured in wasn't favorably received by the Eiffel Tower staff. She then tentatively began dating a crane, as in the machine, not the bird. Clinical sexologists have documented objectum sexuality among both women and men, although scant data exists to quantify just how many objectophiles exist around the world. That's our show for this week. Thank you so much for tuning in. Subscribe now for more of the latest and strangest science news, and send us links to anything you'd like to hear us cover, plus any anime or other cartoons that you would like to recommend. Shoot us an email at nowpodcast at howstuffworks dot com. Look up stuff to blow your mind, forward thinking, and stuff mom never told you to hear more from our hosts, and to access thousands of other stories like these, check out our home planet now dot howstuffworks dot com. Hi, I'm Michael Rapaport, and I'm Kibi Rapaport, and together we're hosting Rapaport's, Rapaport's Reality, Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport, and me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. As important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner. Gene, Gene Fodor. Gene was good. But be careful. Because the worst trips result when two partners have two different agendas. The CIA really need your help, Gene. Freeze, Americano! Huh? Oh! Gene, run! 
Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, this is Kurt Woodsmith. You remember me from such TV comedies as That 70s Show and That 90s Show on Netflix. I'll never forget the words that my grandfather said just before he kicked the bucket. He said, watch how far I can kick this bucket. People ask me where I get my dad jokes from. I tell them to listen to the Daily Dad Jokes podcast. Listen to Daily Dad Jokes every day on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.